problem of God over the last couple of weeks. And what we're doing is we are actually looking at questions that people are actually asking. I think one of the issues with the church is that we tend to answer questions that people actually aren't asking. And so um, there's been a lot of research on what, what kind of just turns people off to maybe Christians or maybe some things that they were taught that are necessarily not true. And last week we dived into science. Um, does science actually disprove the existence of God and our faith? And as we came to discover, the answer is, is no. And we looked at how science actually shows us that there is a God. So if you missed last week's, make sure you go online and, 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 and check that out. iTunes, whatever you got uh, for your podcast, check that out. And um, next week, we're going to be looking at just maybe some of the claims of Christianity. Like, like how, how can God... One question people have is, how can a loving God send people to hell? That's a, that's a, that's a, a big question. We're going to dive into that really difficult question. That's the question I gave to Russ Eliason because he was supposed to speak today because I was supposed to be in Haiti. And so we let Russ, the professor, do that topic for you. So you don't want to miss next week. And I know um, that will really help uh, answer a lot of uh, questions that you may have uh, in, your, in your heart about this. One of the biggest um, concerns that people have as, as many researchers have dived into the topic of just asking people and researching people about their issues with Christianity and, and maybe Christians and the problem of God. Uh, one of the, one of the um, common threads that most people have, this was one of the most common questions that was asked. And one of the, probably the most negative thing against Christians was this, is that Christians are hypocrites. That, that was probably one out of the top 10. That was right there at the top. And I wanted to look at that because that, that's a lot of ammunition that the world uses against Christians or followers of God that we say one thing and we do another. And so this kind of gives people ammunition to say, hey, you know, I don't think they really believe what they believe because we see so much hypocrisy Within that, so I wanted to really dive into this question uh, about um, hypocrisy and um, and that that Christians are just a bunch of hypocrites. We say one thing and we do another. And so, what 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 what, what do people mean when they say that Christians might be a bunch of, of hypocrites? Well, this word um, hypocrite comes from actually a, a Greek word. That means Hippocrates. And what that literally means is this. It's really a stage actor um, or a pretender. I've got a picture up here for, maybe you've seen that before, the, the two masks. And th- this is where a person or a stage actor would wear, wear mask and play one character one moment and then, and then play another uh, character. It's a symbol of, of the theater. A, a stage actor would actually wear different Masks, And so this is where the word originated from. Someone who is a pretender or someone who wears different masks. You, you're one way this way and then another moment you, you kind of change characters and you're this way. So that, that's really uh, the core, the meaning of the word hypocrite. And it, it, if, we, if we're going to be honest with ourselves, all of us at one time or another have acted hypocritical. Can I just get an Amen. 
Hit your neighbor and say, pastor's preaching now, okay? Just give him a little elbow and say, okay, I, we're all there, right? We're, we've all, in some way or another, have acted hypocritical. And so we've done something that, that's contrary to what we believe and maybe, um, uh, maybe what we have said at, at, at times. Um, maybe, you know, in little ways like this. Maybe it's just like this. Maybe it's, it's, it's when you get in the car. And, and maybe you're driving at times and, and you'll see people do things like they'll drive real fast and, 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 they'll, and they'll change uh, lanes real fast only to find out that it was Ruth Brooks. No, only to find out that I just love teasing Ruth. Only to find out it was like all of a sudden this person drives by and you're like, man, that person goes to the living word. And they're going 95 miles an hour down 104, right? And they got their, and they got their Christian bumper sticker uh, on, on the back of their car. I heard a story of a pastor, true story of a pastor. He said he was pulling out and he pulled out in front of somebody. And it was kind of close, but he pulled out. And the person behind him was so angry. And so they just tailgated the pastor. I mean, just was right on him and just was mad. And the pastor's looking back and see the person, you know, just mad and so the person, you know, gets around the pastor and just guns it by him and then gets in front of him, right? So the pastor's like, all of a sudden, the person got in front of him, he noticed the bumper sticker was from his church. <laughs> he was a congregant of their church. Now, this was a huge church, so they may have not known each other personally. So the pastor's like, well, I got to make this right. So he gets up, tries to get up next to the guy, and the guy's not letting him get up, and finally gets up next to him, and the guy looks over and notices that it's his pastor, and he's like, and he goes... See you next Sunday. See you Sunday. Now, now let me just say, uh, let me flip the tables here because uh, let me just get this out because this has happened to me. Okay, I, uh, can I just be honest with you guys? I'm just this happened to me. Um, we, the way I get home is I just go down Ridge Road. It's about two and a half miles, and we live in a subdivision. And so one day I was late for Wednesday night Bible study. I was a little late. We're, dinner was late. We're just we're running late. We're scurrying. So I'm pulling out of our thing, and I go. 30 miles an hour, all the way down Ridge Road. I go, man, I just, I'm going to be late. I'm going to be late. And I get behind someone just as I pull out of, my sub, out of our subdivision. So this person is crawling at like 20 miles an hour. Now, I can't pass them. Double, you know, yellow line. I can't. I have to admit, I was riding a little close. <laughs> I could tell the color of the eyes of the person in front of me. So we were, I was a little close and I'm like, oh man, go fit. And as we kept, I'm like, oh, they're going to turn. They're going to turn. They're going to turn. They're going to turn. All of a sudden I'm like, oh, please don't turn into the church. Please <laughs> don't turn into the church. And we got, we kept getting close to the living word. And I'm like, keep going on, keep going. And sure enough, the blinker went on. I'm like, oh no. So I'm, I'm not going to lie. I'm just going to confess this. I felt like keep driving past the church and just saying, I'm sick. I'm not going to. No, I didn't. So I pulled in. I, I eat some humble pie. I pulled in. Again, I knew who the person was. It, it, she since passed away. Beautiful woman. Shirley Clement. I, I, I go, Shirley, um, I, I got to repent. I feel terrible. I was in a hurry. I was late. Um, and I, I was the person behind you the whole way. She looked at me. She goes, Oh, pastor, I didn't even notice that. I didn't even know. I'm like, oh, man, just ruined this whole. So I, can, can we all be honest with, with ourselves this morning? Right, we, we, you know, we've all been there. Um, just a little word. Can I just give you a little word of wisdom? This is the best thing you're going to hear all morning. Are you ready? Word of wisdom. If you're going to drive like that, don't have a Christian bumper sticker on your car, okay? That's why I don't. So just, just letting you know, okay? So, um, so here's the thing. Here's the thing. Um, how many know... 
that when someone speaks something into your life, maybe it's critical. How many know that there might be an ounce of truth in that? So if we're going to really, I know we can maybe take that criticism from the world and we may say, well, that's not true. And the world's just using that as an excuse to justify their own sins. And they don't want to come to the realization that they need to bow their knees to Jesus. And, you know, but, but, but let's step back a minute, not get defensive. And let's just admit to ourselves that in every single one of us, there's some hypocrisy. And, and, and we've done some things maybe that haven't been the greatest witness and testimony for our walk with Christ. But here's the thing. Here's the thing I want to lean back on a little bit. That doesn't change who Jesus is. Now, his followers may do some things that may be unbecoming. But I want you, if you're here today and you're checking out this series and maybe you're just thinking about this whole God thing, I just want to relieve you today that says, yeah, Christians make a lot of mistakes. They do. We, we, we make a lot of mistakes. And we're going, to work, we're going to talk about that today. But here's the thing I want you to realize. It doesn't change who Jesus is. Jesus still is the same, and, and he was perfect in every way, even though Christians, even, and I'll even give you over history, through church history, in the name of Jesus, some people did a, a lot of wrong things. And so I'll give you that. I'm not even going to argue about that, because that's a lot of the arguments that maybe atheists have or others, like, look at all the things that Christians done in the history. And I'll give you that. There's been a lot of, but that doesn't, that, that doesn't mean that Jesus has ever validated that or authenticated that or, or wanted his followers to live that way, even though um, we have done some things definitely that haven't given um, a, a good testimony to the name of, of Jesus Christ. So it, 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 here's the thing. It is much easier to point out a hypocrite than to admit that we are one. Amen. It got real quiet there for a moment. It's like, can you say that's truth? It is. It's so much easier for us to point out a hypocrite than to actually admit that we are one. So the issue within the church is that we we have to really point the finger at ourselves first. And here's the question I want to throw out right off the bat. Are we honoring Jesus with our lips yet denying him in the way we live? So that's, let's just jump into that. Are, Are we honoring Jesus with our lips but denying him and actually the way we live. So that's, that's the question we need to dive into. So what I want to do is I, instead, of, instead of pointing the finger at the world and saying, well, look at all the things they're doing, and then they're blaming us, and they're pointing the finger saying we're hypocrites. Let's just, you know what, let's just take a look in the mirror. Can we all take a look in the mirror this morning and, and just kind of do inventory on our own lives and allow Christ to speak to us first? Listen, there's a lot of bad things going on in our world today. There's a lot of things that we can point our fingers at. And as followers of Jesus Christ, we have to stand for what is the truth and, 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 and live out that testament before Jesus Christ. But, but here's what I want us to do. How are we living that truth in the way we look at our own lives? And are we walking in humility? As, as we walk before the Lord, are we walking in humility and serving others and still loving the world as we stand for the truth. And that's, that's a tough balance for many people because we feel like if we show too much grace and we're not standing on the truth, and if we, uh, then we want to sh- shout out the truth and we feel like, hey, I got the truth out, I got the truth out, but then we're not loving people. It, just, it comes off as hate. And so then we give more ammunition to the world to, to reiterate what they already believe about many Christians. And so I want to diffuse that a little bit and, and how we can first look at our own lives and then be able to, to stand for the truth and to live in our world as, as, as we see things going astray and, and just, you know, just really difficult times. And so how can we live with a good testament before Jesus Christ and not walk in this hypocrisy? So, so we, you know, we can, 
we can talk about forgiveness and we can talk about how Jesus forgave. Yet, yet for us, many of us, we can turn around when someone hurts us. Um, do we forgive? Do we forgive others of their offenses? You know, James says something here in the word of God. That I think is very interesting. He says, but just don't listen to God's word. He says, you must do what it says. Otherwise, you're only fooling yourselves. For if you listen to the word and don't do what? Obey it. It's like glancing at your face in the mirror and then just kind of walking away after a while and totally forgetting about what you look like. So this is, I want us to understand something here. Let's understand what hypocrisy, first of all, is not. This is hypocrisy is not this. So let, let's understand this first of all. Hypocrisy is not about being perfect. Hypocrisy is not about being perfect. It's not that we are perfect as followers of Christ. How many of us all know we are going to make mistakes? We're going to say things we didn't mean. We're going to lose our patience. We're going to drive too close behind Shirley Clement as we're going to a Bible study trying to praise Jesus, right? We're, 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 that doesn't mean you're perfect. That doesn't mean we're never, never ever going to make a mistake. We, we will all struggle with sin the rest of our lives. We, we will struggle with that. There, there's this battle the Apostle Paul talks about, the battle between right our spirits and the fleshly man. And it's a battle every single day that we have to fight against losing control. And not loving people and being hateful. That's a a struggle. There's this struggle between our flesh and our spirit. And Paul telling us to yield to the spirit of God and not yield to the flesh of man. So we're all battling with that the rest of of our lives. The battle with temptation is, is, is not hypocrisy. The battle we have with temptation is is not hypocrisy. Just because you're tempted by something doesn't mean you're a hypocrite. We will make mistakes and we will have to apologize for the things we've done. But that's not necessarily hypocrisy. Even Jesus was tempted, yet we know that he was without sin. Every single one of us are going to be tempted. That doesn't mean you're a hypocrite. It's what you do with that temptation. If you give in to that temptation and then say, well, I don't have any temptations. I don't have any struggles. That's a hypocrite. It's saying that you don't struggle when you do struggle. And then all of a sudden someone catches you struggling with the very thing that you say that you're not struggling with. And what is that? That's an actor. That's a pretender. We're pretending to be something we're not. And here's what I want to tell you people this morning. Let me just tell you this. When you let your guard down, when you allow the world to see the kink in your armor, they will respect you more. See, we get this idea that they'll respect me more by me kind of pretending that I'm someone or something that I'm not. But I love when I see humility in people and they don't have to puff their chests out. They don't have to uh, bring their biggest King James Bible with them so they can beat people over the head. Listen, people, when they see your vulnerability, respect you more. When you walk into a conversation with someone that's struggling and you say, you know what? I've had those same struggles. And you know what? I still have those struggles. And the only person that can help me through those struggles is Jesus. That's what I've come to learn. You know, people respect you more for that. But I think as Christians, we are so worried about being judged. I would rather be judged on someone judging me because I admitted my weaknesses than judging me because I'm a hypocrite. And I say one thing and I do a completely 
opposite thing. So our battle with temptation is not hypocrisy. Admitting we have struggles is not hypocrisy. Admitting that we have struggles. When you tell people, I have a struggle in this area, that is not hypocrisy. You know what that is? That's being honest. That's all that is. But for some reason, we don't want to admit our struggles because we don't want people to think that we struggle. We, we want to we, we portray this image that, man, I got it all together. Guess what? We don't have it all together. We are a messy people, a dysfunctional people that don't have it all together. But guess what? Jesus still loves us and he still works with us and he still forgives us. So just because you have struggles doesn't mean that you're a hypocrite. We, listen, we all struggle with jealousy and insecurity and patience. We all struggle with that. Admitting our faults is not hypocrisy. Admitting our faults is not hypocrisy. When you admit that you struggle in areas and that you have faults in areas, um, that is not hypocrisy. Once again, that is being honest. And when you're honest... People respect you more and they give you an open door to speak into their lives. When you're open about your faults and your failures, you know, let me be honest with you. When I'm, when I'm talking with somebody or I, or, or I listen to somebody and, and they begin to share their struggles and their faults, you know what I do? I listen. But when people tell me how great they are and, you know, that all their kids graduated from Harvard and they're all doctors and lawyers, I'm tuned out. and I'm like, man, hey, my family. Right. But when you admit, you know, hey, we all have struggles. We all go through things. We all listen. When when I begin to hear someone's faults and the struggles they have with with their families or, or whatever they're going through, all of a sudden I'm listening. I'm like, wow, I, I just relate to that person. You know, I do a lot of funerals as a pastor and so many people come in and they're hurting and they're like, man, we need answers. And, and, and sometimes I think they look at me as the pastor and they, they think sometimes, well, that guy never has any problems. What, what, you know, what does he know about death and hurting and dying? And a lot of times I'll share the story about how we lost our first child. And all of a sudden in the room, everybody's glued on me. I don't share that to get sympathy. I share that to show everybody that life stinks at times. And all of a sudden, when I share a story like that, when I share a personal story about what my wife and I had gone through with our first child, all of a sudden, everybody's eyes are glued. Why? Because they're like, wow, this guy understands about what death is about. He lost a child. I can't imagine. And you know what? What's, what's amazing is that all of people come up to me after the funeral and just say, hey, thanks for sharing that. You know what? I went through the same thing. How did you get through it? I said, it wasn't easy. And I begin to share about what Christ did for my wife and I and how he ministered to us and how he still showed himself good to us, even through the difficulties of life. And that Jesus says, in this world, you will have struggles, you have temptations, you'll have tribulations, but take heart, I've overcome the world. And that's where we put our hope in, is in a risen Savior who overcame death for us. That's my only hope. You see the difference? It's easy to preach down at people. And make them feel like you have all the answers. And then, and then you can't bridge. You, you, you can't build a bridge into their heart, into their life, because you seem too far away if we're speaking down to them. 
So admitting our faults is, is, is not hypocrisy. So hypocrisy is basically this. It shows one face, but in reality, it's two-faced. So that, that's basically what it is. Hypocrisy shows, it, 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 it's showing people one face, but in reality, it's actually two-faced. So that's really what it is. I mean, it's, it's sometimes I, 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 I call these people kind of grumpy Christians. They, they, they're, they're grumpy. They're just joyless. And when you get around those grumpy Christians, I, I call them joy suckers because they just suck the life and the joy out of you like a Hoover vacuum. It's like when you get done with the conversation, you're like, I just want to, I just want to jump off. I just want to take a long walk off a short pier at this point. I mean, I just, you know, you just, they just suck the joy out of your life and they scream and they yell at the world and all that is wicked. And they quote scriptures, but all the while, all the while, what's interesting in many of those circumstances, their marriage isn't well, their relationship with their kids aren't good. But they're yelling, right? They're screaming. But then if, 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 if we would take a deeper look into their personal lives, many times those things aren't in order. Those are the things Jesus cares about. Jesus cares about your secret thoughts. He cares about what you think about. He cares that your, your relationships are in order. Those are the things that he cares about because those are the things of the heart. Now, is it important that we speak the truth? Amen. Yes, we should. But as we speak the truth and live that truth before the world, let's make sure our private lives are in order. Let's make sure that we're working on that too, that it doesn't come across as two-faced. See, there are, there are those that, that know the right thing to say, right? Let me just pick on us as Christians here, Okay. We know the right things. So, you know, we say, hi, brother, you know, praise the Lord. You ask them how they're doing and they say, hashtag blessed, hashtag praise the Lord, hashtag God is good, right? All the, you know, they, we know the right things to say and, 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 and then we'll, you know, then right after that, we'll turn around and just say, look at, you know, do you see what that person was wearing? You know, and then we'll gossip about somebody or say something behind someone's back that we don't like within the same paragraph of saying hashtag blessed hashtag God is good. And then we turn around and say, do you see what that person was wearing? You know, and then we gossip. See, those are the things that Jesus cares about. See, it's coming across as a know-it-all with the Bible, yet very judgmental of the world. It, it, this kind of um, attitude tends to be very confrontational with others, which leads to many broken relationships where the goal is to be right, but not really care about the relationship. I, I care more about being right than restoring the relationship. You ever, you ever been in one of those arguments, right? That the, what, that you felt like I won the argument, but then you lost the relationship and you walked away going, that didn't go the way I thought it would go. Let's be careful here. Because what Jesus does is he takes, you know, they point a question at Jesus and they say, what's the most important commandment? There's a lot of them. There's 613. There's, you know, do not murder. Is it? I would say that's a pretty good commandment, right? Don't steal. That's a pretty good one. Don't use the Lord's name in vain. That, that's a pretty good one. You know what Jesus picked out of all those? He picked two. 
said, love the Lord your God with what? All your heart, all your mind, all your strength, all your soul. And then he said, and, and, and in the same breath, he says what? Love your neighbor as yourself. Now, what's interesting about those two commands, why do you use murder? That's pretty important. Why do you use adultery or cussing or why? You know why? Because if you love the Lord God with all your heart and you love your neighbor as yourself, those other things are going to fall into line. It's, it's interesting that those two commandments have to deal with relationships. Our relationship with God and our relationship with one another. Horizontal and vertical. Those are the two things that, that, that Jesus cared about the most. Because if those are in order, everything else will fall into place. I'm going to care about my brother. I'm going to love my brother and my sister. If, if they're going astray, I want to help them come back to him. I want to look at the world with love. And I want to speak the truth in love. Because my heart's right before God. I'm looking through the right set of lenses. So I, wa- I want you to notice what Jesus says about people who are two-faced. Who wear one mask and then wear another. What did Jesus say? When, and Matthew, it's recorded for us that Jesus says, outwardly, this is what he says. You look what? You look righteous. You look like righteous people. You dress the part, right? You wear Christian cologne, right? <laughs> you drive in a Christian car. You live in a Christian house. You, 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 once in a while, you may even put on a Christian T-shirt, Right? Hashtag, God is awesome, right? So you look, you look, by the way, nothing's, if you got a Christian car, let me know about that. I'd like to know how that's working out because I'd like to get a Christian car too. I'm just, but it's not wrong to wear a Christian teacher or anything. That's not what I'm talking about. But here's the thing. He says, on the outside, you look righteous, but he says, but inwardly, what? Your hearts are filled with what? Hypocrisy and lawlessness. Now, who is he speaking to? He's not, he's not speaking to people in the world. He's speaking to those who claim to be followers of God. So Jesus is pointing that out. So let me apply this today because we can fall in this trap. Even with, even with just like social media on, you know, on, on our, don't get mad at me. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just making an observation here. Okay. So don't get mad at me. Okay. Everybody say, we love you, pastor. Okay, good. You're probably going to hate me in a minute, but let me just throw this out. Okay. So, you know, it's, we can do this on social media because what we can do is we can make our page perfect. We can use filters. We can create this world for people to see. Um, however, behind the filter, it may not be so pretty in, in our personal lives, right? We, we want to portray something to the world that says we've got it all together. You know, it, I heard someone say this. I just thought it was a funny observation. This isn't my observation. This is somebody else's observation, but I just thought it was classic. I just thought it was funny. They said, this is so true though, but it's so good. We can, we can take pictures of our Bibles, like the scripture we're reading. And we have our little cup of coffee, like we're doing our morning devotions. So, you know, you got your feet, you got your, you know, you got your Bible propped up and you got your coffee right there with the little swirl of whatever you created on the top of your coffee. And you want to make sure that there's a little steam coming up out of the coffee and the Bible, you got, you know, you got the Bible out there and you want to make sure the sun's just right in the background of, you know, the background scene. So you got your feet up, you got your Bible up, you got the coffee and the steam. Maybe you got a little croissant right there, croissant or maybe a little scone. I have no idea what a scone is, but a scone. You got a scone 
right there and it's all nice. And you, and you spend, maybe you spend half an hour just getting this all right. Then you, then you take your picture and then you put it on Instagram and say, hashtag blessed. God is good, right? And you spend more time actually setting everything up than you actually did reading your Bible, right? So you know that hit home. That was, that's a good observation. So here's the thing. Nothing, listen, nothing wrong with putting on social media where you're reading. I, once again, I don't, everyone's going to go, now everyone's going to go and start deleting your Instagram page. I don't want you to do that, okay? But here's the thing. Isn't it a good check of our heart? It's, listen, once again, it's, it's what Jesus said. It's what you're trying to portray towards the world. That we're so busy trying to look this certain way, but is it a reality within my personal life. And this is where we need to be careful because we can come across to the world if we're not careful is what? Phony and not real. And so listen to what Jesus' words are to self-righteous people. This is what Jesus says. He says, what sorrow awaits you, teachers of the religious law and you Pharisees, what does he call them? With an exclamation point. Yikes, Jesus wasn't happy here. He says, for you are so careful, and they're trying to find the laws of cleanliness, ceremonial laws, all the things that that God would want them to do to be clean before him. But they're so worried about this exterior stuff. And then they added to God's law, and they were pushing on everybody else. And it was just all this exterior stuff. And he says, says, for you are careful to clean the outside of your cup and the dish. But what does he say about what's going on on the inside? You're filthy, full of greed and self-indulgence. Boy, I, I bet you they loved hearing that. Tell us more, Jesus. You know, I, I'm, I'm sure this was not what they wanted. And so what does he say? He says, you blind Pharisees. He says, first wash what? The inside of the cup and the dish. And then the outside will become clean too. So Jesus, what he's saying here is he's saying this to religious people who look good on the outside. You're careful not to touch something that would cause you to become unclean or defiled as an act of worship as you would go into the temple. You you don't want to defile yourself. You're really careful about that, but you're missing the whole meaning behind it. What happens is you, you may clean everything on the outside, but you're defiled on the inside. So Jesus basically tells them this. It's really not what you touch that causes you to become unclean or defiled. It's what comes out of your heart. He says, first clean the inside and let God do the heart change. So here's the question. How do we protect ourselves from hypocrisy and correctly uh, portraying Jesus to the world? How do we do this? How do we protect ourselves from this, and so we protect ourselves from this hypocrisy in the world. So the, in this very same chapter of Matthew 23, what Jesus does is he calls out the scribes and the Pharisees. Basically, scribes were these professional interpreters. They were experts in the Torah, which were the first five books of the Old Testament, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, and, and the Pharisees were experts in theological matters. So Jesus is kind of calling them out, and as, as Jesus is calling them out for their hypocrisy, um, and how they like to be seen and how they pray these lengthy prayers and they love to judge others by their man-made rules. Jesus says to them, listen, you're showing everybody your righteous acts and how good you are and you want to be seen by others. But here was the problem. They were more in love with their rules than they were with people. They were more in love with their rules than they actually were with God. And, and so what happens is this created 
a judgmental attitude towards others. And this is, this is the risk that we take as followers of Jesus, is that when we become more in love with our rules, and how many know we need parameters around our lives, and we need a moral compass? Everybody say amen. We do. That's important. But when we become more in love with them, we need to, 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 to live by the righteous acts that God wants for us. He doesn't want to live for us to live in sin. When I become a Christian... I shouldn't be doing the things I've, I did before, okay? But what happens with many Christians is they, 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 they follow these sets of rules and they become more in love with those rules and then they become less in love with people that Jesus actually died for. So when, when I take my steps of holiness in my walk with the Lord and God begins to strip me of those things. You know, I remember when I first became a Christian, I, it's not that I swore a lot, but I definitely with my friends, I had some language. And it was funny, no one actually told me, like, Barden, don't, don't use those words. Besides my parents, you know, when I was a kid. And, I, of course, I wouldn't use them around them. But when I were in the church, the, it was like, when they talked more about Jesus in a relationship about Jesus, it was like, I don't want to do those things anymore. It wasn't because someone was hammering me down. Rule number one, you became a Christian. Let's sit down and go over all the rules of Christianity. Number one, don't let any bad words come out of your mouth. Number two, blah, blah, blah. Number three, right? But it was interesting, the more I heard about Jesus, and the more we fall in love with Jesus, the less we want to disobey the things that he desires for us. So as we read the word of God, we're going to see those things that say, hey, don't, you know, these are the things that that ought not be in your life as a believer, what I think happens as many Christians is we, we fall more in love with our rules and then we become judgmental of others who don't follow them. That's where it gets dangerous, especially for those that are living in the world and who are not yet Jesus followers. So the, what happens is we give out this persona that is not really real. We want people to believe this persona, but it's not really who we are inside. And so in the middle of all this, Jesus throws out this, this thing, this This is what he throws out to them. In the middle of this conversation of calling them hypocrites and you're more in love with your rules, you're not living it inside and your heart's not right. Um, Jesus really didn't condemn them for doing these things. He just says, you're doing them, but you're hypocrites. You, You hate your brother. You hate people. You've got lust in your heart, but you're doing all the rules, right? But your heart's not there. So here's what Jesus says. Here's how you break all that. Jesus says, He says, you want to be great? The greatest isn't the the one who keeps the rules the best. He says, you want to be great? You must be what? A servant. A servant. Right in the middle of this. It's kind of weird. He says, you want to be great? Be a servant. But those who exalt themselves will be what? Humbled. And those who humble themselves will be exalted. So, the battle... Over hypocrisy, Jesus tells us, starts with this, servant. The battle over hypocrisy starts with serving. In the middle of pointing out their hypocrisy and their religiosity, Jesus tells them, you want to be great? Then take on the role of a servant. If you want to be exalted, humble yourself. See, servanthood starts in the heart. Servanthood starts in 
the heart and recognizes the sacrifice that Jesus made for us. So we understand through scriptures that Jesus didn't come to be served, but to serve others. Now, th- this is so countercultural because we live in a very entitled culture. Um, someone the other day actually opened the door for me when I went into a store. I was like, what? It, was, it shocked me. Like someone actually allowed me to go first. Because we're so used to living in a me first entitled society. When someone actually lets you cut in line or holds the door open for you, it's almost shocking in our culture. So what Jesus speaks here is so countercultural to what we see in our society. So because we live in a, such an entitled culture, um, we have to keep fighting against this always wanting to serve me got to fight against that. And so this is what Jesus is saying. The the way you fight hypocrisy is by humbling yourself before the Lord. And the way you live your humility out is in the way we serve one another. That's what makes, can I just say this? That's what makes the church. such a beautiful place. That's why I love going on mission trips. That's why I love seeing people serve each other within the church. You know, just for like those that work in the nursery and are changing diapers, just serving Jesus by changing diapers. You know, that's an act of God changing diapers. They're serving the parents so the parents can come in here and be part of the service as they're, you know, ministering to their, to their kids or people that are, yeah, babies crying. It's a beautiful thing. It's all right. It's a wonderful thing, right? See, that's the thing that we need to look at. How am I serving? And by serving, I break this entitlement attitude in my heart. So, so what does Jesus mean when he tells us to be a servant? Let me give you a couple things here real quick. Here's what Jesus means when he tells us to be a servant. He, here's, here's a great characteristics, a great characteristics of, of what a, a servant is. A servant is one who meets the needs of others at their own expense. So when I do something for someone else, what I'm doing is I'm laying my rights down to meet someone else at my own expense. That's what it means to serve. You're meeting the needs of others. The more you get involved in church, you say, you know what? Um, you know, I need to, to be serving. And maybe it's an area of working with kids or young adults, whatever, whatever it may be. And you're like, you know what? I, I, I want to serve in this way at my own expense. I could be doing other things, but I want to be serving people to help them with their walk with Jesus. So, so it's becoming less of yourself. A servant is one who, who chooses to put themselves under the submission of, of one another. So of another. So not everybody can be in charge, right? But, but when I serve, what I'm doing is, is, is I'm just putting myself under the submission of someone else to serve them, to make the community as a whole better. I, I maybe lay down some of my liberties and some of my rights to make the church as a whole better. How many know every single one of us have opinions, Hit your neighbor and say, you got opinions. I've heard them, right? We all have our opinions, right? And we all have ways that we want things to go. But when, when I'm serving, I'm like, Jesus, I ultimately want to obey you. So I'm going to come under your covering. My flesh and what I want and what my will is has changed when I came under the covering of Jesus Christ. Now what I ask is, Jesus, what do you want? As I read God's word, I'm like, okay, I have to obey that part of my life. I, I, as I read God's word, I know that on. Wholesome language shouldn't come out of my mouth. So I'm like, wow, I've got to obey. I want to come under that submission, even though I think it sometimes, right? 
I may not have said it, but it was there in my heart. I'm like, God, you got to watch my heart here because, because there's something deeper going on in there. And I need to obey you in that part of my life. And when we submit to one another and we serve one another, Christ is glorified. You know, when you, when you just write as a parent, I would encourage you maybe even to write a note to your, to your child's teacher and just say, you know what? I just want to know I'm praying for you because I can't imagine what a hard job you have. Just somebody that's an authority. Write them an encouraging letter just saying, you know what? I, I, I can't imagine how difficult it is in our day and age. I just want to let you know I'm praying for you. That's important for people to hear that, that you're encouraging them in that way. You see a police officer maybe around town or something, just stop and just say, hey, I just, can I just tell you something? I've got all these grievances. You know, you gave me a ticket last month for what? You know, just... You deserved it, that's why. No, I'm just here. So here's what you do. You just say, you know what? I want to thank you for serving. Just thank you for serving. Thank you for serving. One time I was in line at a, at a, at a Chick-fil-A in the airport in Atlanta, and there was a, a, a service person there in the army, and they were in front, in front of me, and there was a guy behind them that says, hey, I want to grab your meal. Thank you for serving our country. And the, and the person that was in the army just turned around and said, thank you. I appreciate that. But let's, let's be careful here because a, a servant chooses to do that. Chooses, chooses to submit under that authority. A servant is one who doesn't always have to be in charge. Okay? Doesn't always have to be in charge. A servant first submits to God, then to one another. I like that one. A servant first submits to God and then we, then we submit to one another. Now, does that mean that that we uh, give in to sin and temptation. If someone tells us to do it, of course not. But when we submit to God, what we're going to do is we're going to humble ourselves to one another and we want the best for that other person. So we're going to serve them by helping them and causing them to grow close to the Lord, by praying for them, by loving them, by, by seeing different ways that we can serve each other. So we submit to God, then we submit to one another. And a servant is one who doesn't always need to look for accolades of others. That's really important. A servant is one who doesn't, doesn't always look for the accolades of others. So here's, here's a good litmus test of whether or not you're truly serving or not. If you're serving, but then you're looking for people to always give you accolades, you're serving for the wrong reason. Now, I preface that by saying, should we encourage one another? Absolutely. Should we love on each other and thank, thank each other for just doing things? Yeah, that, that's just encouraging one another in the Lord. But if I'm looking, constantly looking for accolades from others, you know, if I'm, if I'm going in church and I'm walking in the church drive and I see a piece of paper and I go down and pick up the piece of paper because I'm like, geez, you know, this is my church. I should pick up this piece of paper. And then you're picking up the piece of paper and then you got your phone out and you're taking a selfie. Look at that. See, hashtag at church, serving Jesus, hashtag picking up paper, right? And then you look around. Did anybody see that? Did any see I'm picking? I'm being funny. Can I be funny? I'm just being facetious there. You know what I'm saying, right? Can I get an amen? Okay. So, see, understanding this breaks the hypocritical life. So, here's what I love. When someone is serving, when someone is serving, they don't have time to complain. When someone is serving, they don't have time to complain. Now, do you guys still love me so far? Because I'm going to just... (laughs) 
What I've seen and what I've witnessed in my own life many times, I'll, I'll, blame, I'll point the finger at myself. The people that tend to complain the most do the least. That was probably the best thing I said in this whole message, right? The people that tend to complain the most do the least. Now, am I saying we should never say anything? No. Am I saying that there are you know, suggestions that we should give? But I, I've, I've lived by this rule of order in all of my 28 years of ministry, and this was taught to me, and I thought it was a great idea. If you have a complaint or you have an opinion about something, I always say give me three suggestions. Because how many know it's so easy to give an opinion? Opinions are flying all over the place. We need to do this. We need to change it. Blah, blah, blah. Fine. Give me three suggestions. And we do have a, a, we do have a suggestion office here at church. It's open at 3 a.m. and closed at 3.01 a.m. every day. So whatever. No, I'm just teasing. So if you have suggestions, which is fine. You have opinions, fine. But I always tell people, bring me two or three options. Bring me, bring me two or three Things that you have in your heart, in your life that you think, hey, here's something. I saw this. You know what? I saw, you know, this thing didn't look right and, and it needs to be done. You know what? What if I fixed it for you? You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to do my happy dance. I'm going to be like, oh, great. Hallelujah. Go at it. What do you need to do it? We'll give you whatever you need to do it. But if I just come and just complain about it all the time, then offer suggestions, then it's just a complaint. We can hear those all day long. So a person who is serving doesn't have time to complain. So, so let's take a moment and let me finish the message this way of how do, we, how do we fill that gap of hypocrisy in our life? The gap is this. The gap in our lives is who we, who we really are versus the, the person that we want others to believe. So that's really, that, that's the gap. Okay, so how do we, how do we fill this gap of hypocrisy in our lives. Um, it, let me just give you four examples real quick of what a gap might be. A gap is this. We want others to think we have it all together and we don't. We want others to think that my marriage is great, but in reality it isn't. We want others to think that I'm not struggling, but you have an addiction and it has a grip on you. We want others to think that my finances are in order, but truthfully, it's a train wreck. Those are just some examples of of gaps in our lives that we want people to think that everything's okay when in reality it's not. So let let me be honest with you. Every single one of us have gaps. Look at your neighbor and say, you got gaps. Okay. You've got gaps. We all have inconsistencies in our lives, right? So how do we fill those gaps? What's the best way... To fill those gaps in our lives, the gaps of hypocrisy of, of, of living two-faced lives. How do we fill um, those gaps? What's the best caulk that we can use? I was caulking our bathtub yesterday, and Lily goes, what's caulk? She didn't even know what caulk was. So I said, come here, I'll show you. And so I washed her for 45 minutes, caulk our bathroom tub. It was great. It's just, she learned. Now she, hey, she knows how to caulk. No, I'm just, I'm just teasing. She was. But, so what's the best way to caulk our lives? The, the best way to caulk the gaps of this hypocrisy in our, in our lives. So let me, let me just, let me finish with this. Here's just, let me throw a couple things. Not, not in your notes. You can write these down, but here it is. Um, first of all, we fill it by honestly coming to Jesus, by honestly coming to him with all our faults and our short, just be brutally honest with Jesus. He already knows them, but there's something powerful. Listen to me, people. Listen, 
there's something powerful about confession. We, we are, we are so embarrassed and, and shameful to come to Jesus. When Jesus says, I took all your shame on the cross. I hung naked for you. There's nothing that I don't know about you that I'm not willing to forgive in your life. I just want you to come and admit it. There's something powerful about confession. So when you confess those shortcomings to Jesus, there's something powerful that happens in your life, something transformational that will happen in your life when you confess. So you fill the gap by honestly coming to Jesus and say, Jesus, I am jacked up. I am messed up. I've got these inconsistencies in my life. I made my wife mad. I made my husband mad. I have bad relations with my kids. Yes, some of these things are, are dual-fold, but I've got a part in this. I'm going to own it. Own it. Just own it. And let Jesus do the transformation. So we fill it by honestly coming to Jesus. Secondly, we, we fill it by, by asking Jesus to reveal our shortcomings. So when we come to him, we're like, reveal to me the things that I don't even see. Have a tender heart before Christ. And just say, reveal those things that I don't even see. The third thing we do, we, we fill the gap through repentance, which is a change of mind. So when we come, we say, Jesus, it's more than just being sorry. It's got to be a change of mind. Repentance is a 180 degree change of, I used to think this way, but now I think this way. So this thinking is wrong. This hypocrisy is wrong. I've made some bad choices in my life that are wrong. And, and I need your forgiveness, Jesus. And repent before them and let God change your way of thinking now as you begin to follow him. And then the fourth thing we talked about this, now fill it through serving. Begin to serve one another. Begin to serve one another. And then the fifth thing there is how we fill the gaps. I think this is great. We fill it by opening up and sharing with each other. So I love small groups. That's why I think it's so important that we're around other believers and Christians that we can talk to about our problems so that we can pray for one another. Instead of isolating ourselves so the gap gets bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and we feel like we're on an island all by ourselves, we close that gap by getting in more intimate relationships with one another where we can share with each other and we can be honest with each other. That's why, you know, just in the last couple months, our men's, have, our men's group have been getting together and we've been getting together on Saturdays to the soul con. And I, I just love getting around the table with some of these guys. We had a meeting last Saturday. It was great talking with the guys. And that we all struggle together and we'd be able to open up about things that we need to open up about. I love it. And we're able to pray with each other. Like, man, I remember that so-and-so, they said this. I'm going to pray for them during the week. You close that gap by getting into relationships with one another in small groups. I guarantee we take those things, we're going to be less hypocritical. We're going to be less critical. And we're going to be more open to what God wants for our lives. So Jesus wants us to come to him with our struggles. He doesn't want us to, to be hypocrites, to think that we have it all together. He wants us to be real. He, he, just, he, he, he wants us to be honest with him. And so when we can come to this place in our lives, that's where the healing begins. Um, Mark Clark in his book, The Problem of God, makes this, he makes this great quote. He says, true Christianity, rather than being an enemy of humankind, it's its only hope. I love that. 
the, the Bible calls us to judge the truth of Christianity by the life of its founder, Jesus Christ himself, not by the lives of those attempting to follow him. Because in him and him alone will you find someone worthy of trust and imitation. Does Jesus want us to be hypocrites? No. But I think sometimes we became hypocrites because we think that's the best way that we can represent Jesus to the world because we're so fearful about being judged. But the opposite is true. The more we're open and vulnerable to the world and that we admit that we, we don't have it all together either, just because we're followers of Jesus doesn't mean that we've got it all together, right? That doesn't mean our finances are all together. That's why we're offering the financial peace seminar. Come do it. We want to help you. See, one of our core values of our church is healthy people. We want you to have healthy relationships. We want you to have a healthy spiritual relationship. We want you to have healthy marriages. We want you to be healthy in your finances. That's why we offer these different classes to help you to become healthy in your life and to grow in your relationships. The reason why we offer these things is because we struggle in these areas. That's why we have a marriage class right now. Not, we, we don't have marriage classes for perfect marriages. Can I get an eight? Well, maybe not. Just shh, don't say amen to that because... Your spouse may take offense at that. But the reason why we do this is because we all struggle in those areas, don't we? The reason why we have financial classes is because we struggle in those areas. And we want to help you come to discover God's design and God's plan so you can begin to live those out in your lives and you can be, bring health into your things. So you're sitting with a bunch of other people that are like, wow, I'm not alone. I am not alone. I thought coming to church was just like churchy, church, church, church. And, and no one could share their problems. You know, I remember years ago, someone said this about our church to another person that works, that, that uh, is a leader in our church. And they said, man, I hear a lot of, you know, things in your church, like a lot of people that have health issues and blah, 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 blah. And she goes, wow. And, and this is the response of this person in our church. I love it. She said this. She goes, you know why? Because we share our problems. Perfect answer. There's a prayer basket over here with everybody's issues that they're struggling with, health issues, marriage issues. We pray for those every single Tuesday. Every time you fill out a prayer card, what you're saying is, God, I have a need and I need someone to pray for me. I love it. I don't care what the need is. I'm glad that you're open. Because you know why? We're family. And guess what? Families are messed up. Families aren't perfect. Families have issues. Can I get an amen? Yes, you can say amen there. That's what the church should be. That's how we draw ourselves out of a judgmental, critical, hypocritical type of spirit within the church is by falling more in love with Jesus and serving each other just as Jesus told us to do. That's the type of church that I pray for for us all the time, that we wouldn't drift from that as, at, at, in, at Living Word, that we would never drift from that core value of healthy people, that we would be way more in love with Jesus than our preferences. So let me pray for you. And um, here's your takeaway. Here's your takeaway. Is, is, is your public life vastly different than your private life? That's a question that you need to ask yourself. If you were to do true inventory, here's my public life, here's my, are, are those two things, and those are things that Jesus cares about most, is what is going on in your heart. That's what he cares about the most. Amen.
Would you stand with me if you're able this morning? I want to pray for you as we close today. Thank you guys for being so attentive. I preached long today. I'm sorry. I just, this was on my heart today. And uh, so thank you for being so patient. And let me just pray for you today. Father God, I, I thank you for your church. I thank you for your people. And Lord, I just pray that we would be a people that would just walk in that way that you desire us to walk in. That we would learn to love each other and serve each other. And even as we see the things in our world that we see going astray and adrift, may we, may we speak the truth in love as, as we walk in humility before you, Jesus. And let us be people that serve the world. So that, Lord, they can see who you really are, Jesus. Forgive us of our hypocrisy. Forgive us of, of living or, or trying to, to be something that we're not by, by, by portraying to the world something that we're not. Forgive us of that and help us to be authentic in the way we live out our lives and the way we deal with our relationships. So we thank you for this time. I thank you for your word, God. I thank you for this church. And Lord, just help us to live it now in the world as we follow you. And we just ask these things in Jesus' wonderful name. In Jesus' wonderful name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen.